1: Sorry about that. (laughs) My mic was closed. That doesn't work for me. I like to talk. Welcome back to uh, another episode of Superhuman Radio. Today is April 2nd. We are deeper and deeper into the uh, coronavirus self-quarantine. And uh, we're doing well. Most of us are doing well, at least. And those of you in the audience, uh, thank you for being here. I know you've got nothing else to do. You're at home, right? And uh, this is an opportunity for you to learn something important. Of course, we have to thank our title sponsor, Legendary Foods, for making the tasty pastry, which is basically a Pop-Tart without all the bad stuff and only good stuff. It's got nine grams of high-quality, high leucine protein, uh, less than one gram of sugar, and uh, between three and four impact carbs, depending on whether you get the uh, cinnamon or the strawberry one. These things are great. Get them for your kids. Put them in their lunch boxes when they start going back to school, and they won't know that they're good for them. And, of course, while you're there, check out, check out all of the nut butters. They have the most amazing nut butters with no sugar added, flavors that you will just want to eat right out of the jar. And, of course, uh, their packages of uh, seasoned nuts uh, go beyond uh, what people expect from almonds these days. So check them out, eatlegendary.com so in the height of uh, this discussion about coronavirus, everybody is concerned about their immune system, and rightfully so. And my guest today has something to contribute to this discussion uh, from something that we have talked about for many, many years on this show, and that is the effect of uh, exercise and physical activity on the body's defense system. Uh, Welcome, Dr. David Neiman. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here also. So... Uh, you are the director of Human performance, uh, the Human Performance Lab over at no- North Carolina's uh, research campus of uh, Appalachia State University, correct? Yes. And so you've spent your life studying uh, the outcomes of something that people pretty much don't care about much, uh, the majority of Americans, that's exercise.
2: Yes, and my specialty is what exercise does to the immune
1: system. Very interesting. And so before we get into the study, uh, it's, it's safe to say that people who are concerned about uh, contracting a virus in general would probably do better to exercise than not, right? Yeah,
2: I mean, in a series of studies, uh, we've shown uh, beyond any doubt that people who engage in about 30, 60 minutes of physical activity on most days of the week if you randomize them to do that, 30, 60 minutes, five days a week, compared to a randomized control group, the number of illness days with the common cold will drop about 40%, 50% in the exercise group. If, if We also followed a large cohort of 1,000 individuals during both the winter and the fall, and we showed a 43% reduction in the number of illness days in the group that was exercising on a near daily basis compared to people who were largely avoiding activity. So uh, the question then arises, well, how does uh, moderate, to vigorous exercise protect you from acute respiratory illness? And those are caused by rhinoviruses but also coronaviruses. And so what we've done is another whole series of studies in the laboratory, and we show that every time you get out and exercise, um, immune cells from the spleen, the thymus, lymph nodes, the, the periphery of the body are recruited into the blood compartment. They circulate through the body at a higher rate than normal, during that thirty sixty minute bout of exercise, and then for about three hours after, and then those immune cells all go back uh, from where they came. While they're circulating around, uh, they can detect viruses more easily hmm. and then kill them. Because they're on, pato- and, they're basically on patrol at that moment. Well, it, it's the perfect analogy. is It's like the marines being in their base. Something brings them out to uh, circulate around, engage the enemy, deal with them, and then go back. But then the enemy can come back unless you go out again the next day and keep doing it. And then we call it a summation effect that over time, illness goes down.
1: Okay. Uh, And we will get on track with with the planned discussion here, which we're going to go through your study detailed. but. There's a, there's a, a common uh, a belief now that as we age, I'm 62, probably you and I aren't too far apart, uh, our, our thymus atrophies and shrinks. But what about when someone is a lifelong devotee of exercise? Do we see that same atrophy of the thymus that we see in just the general population that doesn't exercise? So there's been uh, a lot of research into
2: the aging immune system and whether or not activity can at least mitigate some of the decrease. Like you said, the thymus will shrink and out of the thymus come educated T cells that we need to orchestrate the immune response to anything that we are fighting against. And those T cells become less functional as we age. Uh, We uh, were one of the first teams to show we took uh, some of the uh, most fittest, the the most physically fit and lean elderly women that we could find. They were all senior games competitors, gold, silver, medal winners, average age 73. And then we took their blood and compared. a a variety of immune measures in them compared to a group of age-matched sedentary peers. We showed that the T-cells of those fit older women operated at a level equal to women about half their age. Wow. And other studies have shown the same thing, that uh, regular physical activity, staying lean and active as you get older, will help attenuate the aging of our immune
1: systems. Interesting. Very, very interesting. All right, so let's start out with the four things that you look to uh, discuss in your recent paper, uh, the acute and chronic effects of exercise on the immune system. Can you discuss that first?
2: So as we were saying, every time you get out uh, for a brisk walk or sports or weightlifting or anything that you like to do, Uh, That will recruit immune cells into the blood. They circulate around, protect you, and go back. However, at the same time, too much of a good thing can turn around and hurt you. Mm. So people who like run marathons, we've uh, done a whole series of studies on uh, marathoners and ultramarathoners. And what we've shown is that as you get beyond 90 minutes of high-intensity running, and you dig deep into your glycogen stores. Um, this sends um, a signal to the brain that glycogen is getting low. The brain needs glucose to do its job. Um, the brain then sends out some signals to the adrenal cortex. Stress hormones go up, cortisol and epinephrine. Those then start to downregulate the immune system. And the net effect is that there is transient immune dysfunction for hours after running a marathon or ultramarathon. And we uh, did a huge study of 2,300 um, marathoners in Los Angeles. It was the Los Angeles Marathon, which is uh, run in March every year at the end of the winter. And we showed that the illness rate um during the week after that marathon was 5.9 times higher Mm -hmm. in the ones that uh, ran the race compared to a control group of marathon runners that didn't run that race. So uh, we know that heavy exertion actually hurts the immune system, but that heavy exertion has to be like high intensity sustained running. We've done a series of studies that like in one we did two hours of weightlifting and another, we did two hours of tennis and uh, rowing. And anytime there's a stop, go, stop, go nature to the activity, the immune system handles it just fine. There's no problem. It's this uh, high intensity running. Continuous. Continuous, unrelenting. Um, I think you know the story of uh, uh, in ancient Greece. Work, and there was thought, war. Yeah,
1: yeah. And the first tell, runner, tell, it, tell it for the audience that doesn't know. Good.
2: Well, so basically there was a big battle, and they sent a runner to go back uh, to the king of ancient Greece to, to let him know that victory was at hand. And he ran uh, for a few hours, uh, got there, and ran to the king, and said Nike, victory, and then dropped dead on the spot. Right. And as I've told my students, that should have been a warning sign that long endurance running isn't really what humans were designed for. Mm -hmm. And as you know, there's a marathon uh, craze that has swept through the world, and a lot of people are running marathons. And what we've shown is that there are certain individuals that can handle it just fine. Others uh, do not, and they tend to get ill uh, during the week or two after running those races. So in the acute area, um, we've shown that typically the good news is 30, 60 minutes is highly protective, but as soon as you start getting into that uh, spectrum where really there are few people who do that, then that amount of exercise can turn around and hurt you. Is is
1: Is it the glycogen depletion that is domino one that starts this process?
2: Everything in the body is multifactorial, but we feel that that is perhaps the most important of uh, the reasons why the brain will start increasing the production of stress hormones. So there's body temperature, um, uh, your fat burning goes way up, the glycogen goes down, you feel terrible. Um, and then you get uh, inflamed, there's more muscle damage, there's oxidative stress, and all of those signals together add up to uh, put the immune system down. As I tell people, the immune system basically reflects the stress that you're putting the body through. Uh, this, this happens if you're going through mental stress. There's, there's been research showing that people who are going through divorce and having marital discord, that if you follow them for a six-month period, they have double the days of sickness compared to people who have uh, good mental health. Mm -hmm. So any stress, mental, physical, does affect the immune system, and especially in athletes who are going through mental stress on top of uh, lack of sleep, and then on top of that, pushing too hard in their training, that's a one, two, three punch that will put many people down. The
1: reason I asked about the glycogen stores' depletion being a possible domino one is I want to look at our population for a second, not athletes. So we have a lot of people that have acquired diabetes, I like to call it, type 2 diabetes. And one of the salient characteristics of advanced type 2 diabetes is lactic acidosis. And this is because... And please correct me. Uh, this is what I have learned it to be, but when insulin sensitivity becomes uh, so uh, low, uh, high I, when insulin resistance becomes so high that gl- glucose can't really get into the muscle, and so you have this uh, preponderance of, of lactic acid production in muscle. These people- it's actually fat.
2: A lot of fat is burned. Right with. Ketone bodies coming out. Right. And so I'm
1: thinking maybe this is that glycogen store level trigger could be why we see type two diabetics so prone to just general illness, colds, viruses, flus, everything else. Yep. And and you just hit on a
2: very important point. It's a new term called uh, immunometabolism, which Uh is that immune cells actually have to have glucose to do their job. If for any reason that glucose supply is diminished, that can happen in a marathon runner that is glycogen depleted. It can happen in a diabetic. Then those immune cells cannot function properly. And then you can have uh, um, the individual is immunocompromised. And of course, you've heard that people with type 1 and type 2 diabetes right now uh, are immunocompromised and more prone to the severe form of COVID-19.
1: But what about people who engage a highly restrictive long-term ketogenic diet where they're eating 67% fat, some protein, very little carbohydrates. They're actually trying to deplete glycogen. They're trying to produce more ketones. It sounds to me like they would be at higher risk of uh, 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 poor poor immune response.
2: Yes. uh, The early indications, you know, we need more long-term human studies Um, But we did take uh, some athletes. We glycogen depleted them. And then we looked at the ability of their monocytes, an important immune cell, to function properly. And we showed that those immune cells could not function very well at all uh, in the glycogen depleted state. So people on the ketogenic diet are chronically glycogen depleted. They're keeping uh, carbs out of their body. They have very low supplies in the blood and the muscle. And every indication until we learn more with long-term research is that is not a healthy thing for the immune system. The human body was not designed to have a lot of protein and fat going into it. Um, Every major professional group has said, that humans are primarily a plant-eating species and then they can have some low-fat dairy products, low-fat, healthier meats, uh, but that more than half of our calories should be from carbohydrate. And for some strange reason, and it's interesting how it's like every 20 years this comes through, it was the Pritikin diet and then it's recycled to a different name, ketogenic, and then it just cycles back and forth. Mm -hmm. There is this um, just a strange infatuation that people have with high protein, high fat diets. They think for some reason that there are special health benefits. There are not.
1: Okay. Let's go on to the second uh, topic at hand clinical benefits of exercise immune relationship.
2: Right. So uh, I'd say uh, there, there's really two big areas here. One, is what we talked about, is that people who are active are less prone to acute respiratory illnesses. And the research there is so compelling. Is a 40-50% reduction in sick days. That is a stronger effect than any medication, any supplement, any diet pattern that's been studied. Physical activity has a lot of power in helping the immune system do its job better. In fact, the immune system needs exercise to do its job properly. So that's the first clinical benefit. The second one is is that if you are a fit and lean person, you are your inflammation, we call it systemic inflammation is very low. People that are sitting around and overweight, they have a higher chronic uh, inflammation going on in their body and that undergirds every major chronic disease that we suffer from heart disease various types of cancer osteoporosis uh, diabetes arthritis so chronic inflammation is a terrible uh, risk factor for many of our diseases and the good news is is if you are a lean active person you can knock that
1: way down I would imagine that autoimmunity, which is surging in our population today, falls into this category of, of chronic inflammatory response, or at least inappropriate inflammatory response, where we have uh, the the soldiers of the immune system is inflammation. That, that That's who goes out and, and fights things. And when it starts to d- uh, attack our own tissue, we call this autoimmunity. That, that has to have a, a role, or this has to have a role in those conditions that we see today, too, doesn't it?
2: You know, um, it's an interesting area, the autoimmune diseases. For example, uh, various types of arthritis. Even type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disorder. We know very little about how regular activity affects autoimmune diseases. The, The data so far are scarce, and we just need to learn more about it. But the good news for the vast majority of people who don't have a chronic disease, don't do not have an autoimmune disease is if they stay lean and active all their life, inflammation is down and their uh, risk of getting sick from the common cold and other respiratory infections is substantially down about 40, 45
1: percent. That's exciting. Let's move on to the next topic at hand. and that one is, as it comes up here, nutritional influences on immune response to exercise.
2: And, and we already touched on the big one. Humans were not meant to exercise heavily without carbohydrate. We have shown that if there's a runner or a swimmer or a cyclist, even a weightlifter who wants to put in a lot of training on a particular day, if they train without any carbohydrate, let's say they get up, they're overnight fasted, they drink water, and they go out for a 20-mile run, There is a huge metabolic stress to the body as you exercise without carbohydrate. We've done a whole series of studies since 1995. We were really the first team to show that if you exercise long and hard with carbohydrate, you will greatly attenuate the negative effects on the immune system. Your immune system gets through that exercise in much better shape than uh, if you... Uh, just are on water and no carb at all. Now, a lot of people say, well, we don't want to drink these sports drinks because it's just sugar water. So then we've done a series of studies looking at bananas. And we've shown that bananas, if if you drink water and and eat a half a banana before exercise and then have the other half of the banana after you get back, we've shown that the carbohydrate in the banana is just as bioavailable in the human gut as a sugar drink it gets through the body just fine it and it attenuates the inflammatory response but the good news is in the banana are about 20 metabolites for example serotonin dopamine and when those go in the body they exert additional anti-inflammatory effects we've published some important papers in high level journals to that effect so we highly recommend that people use fruit instead of sports beverages because you can get the sugar plus all the healthy things that are in the fruit. So we just uh, completed a study then where we had people eat a cup of blueberries a day for two weeks before they exercised heavily for three hours. And we showed that when you eat blueberries, the purple color in the blueberries, which is called anthocyanins, will go to your gut The bacteria will uh, break them up into smaller pieces. Those pieces, we call them phenolics, start circulating in the body, and then they exert anti-inflammatory and immune regulatory effects. And the net effect is we showed that the metabolic disturbance after heavy exertion is greatly attenuated if you've been eating blueberries. So the sum and substance of all the research in this area is that if you eat a lot of berries, at least a cup a day, and you exercise always with some carbohydrate, preferably fruit, you will mitigate many of the negative effects on the immune system from that heavy exertion exercise bout. And the reason we did all of this is war fighters and Olympic athletes and many other athletes have to train hard um, mm-hmm. and they wanted to know what can we do. To help us get through that better, and that's the strategy that we came up with.
1: Now we are talking about people who train hard, and we don't. Yep. This doesn't have to be uh, heroic, but if you get up in the morning on an empty stomach and you run, uh, even for a half an hour, uh, you should have something to eat first, uh, and, yep. and gen- generally about a half hour before you go. So if it's mm-hmm. if it's something that's easily digestible, it's already in the bloodstream. But there's a common. There's a new trend out. Uh, because of my friend Dr. Mikhail Blagosklonny and others who have identified senescent cell accumulation as the as the root for what we call age related diseases or even aging. Why you know why don't we why do we slow down? Why do our muscles ache when we age? And and Dr. Blagosklonny has identified the senescent cell, and now that's become a very popular thing. And we know that time restricted feeding, which Downregulates mTOR periodically, and AMPK comes up. Seems to vanquish these senescent cells. We also know exercise. One bout of exercise reduced senescent cells in muscle tissue by forty percent. One bout. I mean that's significant. So what do we say to guys like me who I have my last meal at six p.m. I'm not training right now, so because I I, I, I'm all, I took yesterday and today off, so I'm going to fast until the end of today's show. What about guys like me who want to keep that uh, time-restricted fasting and try to leverage the potential anti-aging benefits of time-restricted feeding, but I want to train in the morning. I should still have something to eat, you're saying. Well, so... so
2: I know. It's
1: it's hard hard to balance all this, isn't it? (laughs) Well,
2: so so the intermittent fasting uh, area has um, unfortunately... The science behind it is here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, As I tell my students, true fasting is moderation at every meal you eat. Breakfast, lunch, supper, three moderate meals. That is a better dietary pattern for your immune health Mm -hmm. and mental health, everything, than fasting and only eating for six hours like some people do. Or skipping days and this and that. It is better to just have that even keel dietary pattern, primarily plant-based food. That dietary pattern is highly consistent with reductions in all sorts of diseases and immune health. And, of course, the Dietary Guidelines for Americans were the world's best nutritionists get together, look at all the best studies put out there. Uh, guidelines, they have said that there are uh, some healthy dietary patterns, which is the Mediterranean diet, which is primarily uh, fruits and vegetables and nuts and olive oil, uh, low red meat, um, and some seafood, and and having a moderate amount, not getting obese. And, and then also the uh, vegetarian diet is another dietary pattern with a little bit of fish here and there. And then uh, a few other similar uh, diets, they're all plant-based diets, and, and this intermittent fasting is not consistent with the best research that we have right now, and theres it's almost a fad, I'm, I'm just being very open with you, uh, on the intermittent fasting, but it is not accepted by the top scientists uh, in the United States right now.
1: Okay. And then the last effect that you looked at was exercise on Im- immunosenescence. So we know that our immune system actually, th- 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 they have telomeres. We know that they they break down. In fact, the uh, HIV, when it turns into AIDS, it's just a, a-, a very rapid, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, pro- it- it- a rotation or uh, a turnover of the immune cells until they just can't reproduce anymore. So what we're talking about here is getting your immune cells to not age so fast, right? Right.
2: So, again, as we were talking earlier, the T cells, which are so important. In fact, the HIV attacks what is called the T helper cell. Mm-hmm. The, the acronym is CD4. And that's why the CD4 count is very important in people with HIV and AIDS is when it drops too low because those cells. Uh, cells are being killed by the virus. Mm-hmm. Then you enter into the last final stage of AIDS. So the T cells are critical. If if anything hurts them, like the aging process, then uh, our immune health goes down. And the very good news is, is thin active people have T cells that operate at a much better level than in people who sit around and, and gain weight as they get older. Mm-hmm. Humans were not meant to sit. Yeah, I know. Um, and to get heavy. And it's this crazy thing. Seven out of ten Americans are now too heavy. And, and you combine that with an aging society, uh, and then all of a sudden a novel coronavirus sweeps through our country, uh, preying on the immunocompromised older individuals who are heavy with type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is why this is happening is we've let ourselves go. And we
1: need to reverse this. In fact, I actually believe that um, just the way there are different breeds of dogs, uh, I kind of feel like they're are a working group. Humans. I come from them. You know, I come from a long line of bricklayers, and I used to. I had a hunting dog, and when I didn't hunt with this dog, and I didn't take the dog out and let him run literally for an hour or two. He would actually start to exhibit some neurotic actions. And I worked with racehorses. And racehorses are the same way. They're very high strung. And when you don't work them enough and when you're not letting them out of their stalls enough, they start doing things like cribbing and stall walking where they just walk continuously in a circle. And I think there's some of us who are more prone to needing to literally leave it all on the field every single day and we do better and when we don't get that activity we start to develop certain types of symptoms and some people some people can get by with you know not moving a lot i'm one of those people that and i've said it for years you said it at the beginning of the show every time i go to the gym i don't feel that great but every time i leave the fit, the gym i feel like king kong and I started calling it. I'd say, look, other people are taking Lipitor and, and, and Xanax. This is my medicine. I come in here. I take my dose. I go home. I feel great for the rest of the day. I start again tomorrow. So I think some of us, more so than others, we still have that. Uh, we're not far away from our ancestors as far as that, those genotypes where we tend to need more uh, strenuous exercise to feel good. You think that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm off on that? No. In fact, surveys, if you ask the average
2: person uh, who exercises, you know, why do you exercise uh, like you do? Most will report that it's because it makes them feel better. And the human mind needs exercise uh, to do its job. Cognition is improved. uh, Depression, anxiety are down. We feel better. We have elevated mood. The immune system needs exercise to do its job better. Our bodies are, are arranged to be active. And if we sit around and get heavy, uh, it, your health goes south. And, and then again, COVID-19, these opportunistic infections are going to hurt all of these uh, people who are older and heavy and sitting around. I, I just hope this is a wake-up
1: call to America uh, to to get fit. I've been working on a blog, and I'm afraid to release it because. Ba- okay, I'm going to say something here that may make people, some people, go. Carl, you went too far. But I'm just going to. I just want to put this out there. When the Black Plague had occurred, it, it killed close to 100 million people worldwide, and it killed the most. It cu- killed almost 25 million people just in the Mediterranean. Italy being the largest uh, group of people who died because the oldest and longest running commercial cooperative, the silk trade and fashion have caused diseases that started in China to populate in Italy. That that's, that's the fact. But after all those deaths, we had a Renaissance. In fact, we had a a blooming and a blossoming of, of people. And we're looking at today and we're saying, look, there's a lot of people aren't taking care of themselves and they happen to be the ones that are great at greatest risk. Everyone will probably get through this, most of us, all of us. But the reality is this is in fact a wake-up call. This is a wake-up call that don't pray to your God because it's coming around. In the next couple years, straighten yourself out. And I say this as a former 330-pound cardiac patient who takes no real medications other than some testosterone and thyroid hormone now. And, and so I've been there. I'm a card-carrying fat person. I still see myself as a fat person. But I'm telling you, this is your one chance to really get it right. So the next time something like this happens, you're not as concerned about your own outcome. We're going to take one quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you stratified this research into uh, different periods in time. We're talking with Dr. David Neiman, and we'll be right back. Stay with us. (laughs) All right. Do you remember those delicious toaster pastries you had when you were a kid? You know, the rectangular sugar-filled snacks? Well, guess what? Legendary Foods has just made low-carb toaster pastry. This is the first of its kind, and honestly, these things are amazing. They have three to four net carbs, less than one gram of sugar, and nine grams of protein. You can eat them right out of the wrapper or lightly toast them. The only question is, which flavor? Strawberry or brown sugar cinnamon? They're available at eatlegendary.com and Amazon. You've heard about blood flow restriction training since 2006 on SHR but you're still on the fence. Well, here's the push. BFR is more effective at building muscle than anabolic steroids. That's right. I went there but it's because it's the truth. My experience with the B-Strong blood flow restriction system is proof to me and now I'm asking myself why I waited so long. You'll see undeniable changes in the targeted muscles in days and weeks like nothing you've ever tried before. I will never stop using them. Give B-Strong A try, go to BSTRONG.training forward slash super hyphen human and use code SHR for 10% off. Redcon One is one of the fastest growing supplement companies in the world today. That's because they produce supplements that deliver on their promises. From their flagship pre workout Total War to their innovative whole food MREs and bars, now you can get the deepest discount ever offered to any audience anywhere. Use code SHR and get 25% off all Redcon 1 products today. SHR and 25% off. Go to redcon1.com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one, dot com. Crank your muscle gains to new heights by transforming every gram of protein you eat into three grams with Maszymes. With 100,000 HUTs of protease per capsule, Masszymes increases your absorption of key amino acids, resulting in stronger, healthier digestion of proteins and certain vitamins that not only multiplies the impact of the protein you eat, but can also repair a damaged intestinal wall. Go to Masszymes slash SHR for 10% off. That's M-A-S-S-Z-Y-M-E-S dot com slash SHR. Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years, you've heard me talk about Cancy eye drops, and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now 61 years old. But I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using Cancy and having some amazing results. Recently I got an email from a fellow named Chad who, because he was on dexamethasone eye drops for over six months, developed a cataract. Cancy eye drops actually reduced my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time finding it. I will never stop using Cancy eye drops. Twice a day. I've been using them since 2008, he says. And you should be too. There is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly than can see eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board, and we will both be looking into the future with very clear vision. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary
0: game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. When you train with it, you'll gain with it. This is the Superhuman Channel. Evolution just got kicked up a notch.
1: Welcome back to Superhuman Radio. We're talking about the benefits of exercise, on the immune system, I don't want to get—I don't want to get too far off. So we're getting questions on a couple different forums. I'm going to put this one up real quick. Uh, a lot of conflicting info here, and I know what he's talking about because um, I'm not a, v- a proponent of being vegan, but I don't think that's what you're saying either. You're—you're—you're you're, you're pr- you're promoting more of a, a vegetarian diet, like like the Hunza are some of the longest-lived people in the world. They're lacto vegetarian They eat dairy for their their source of animal protein, uh, and they eat lots of vegetables. And I think what you're saying is, and correct me, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, Uh, I think what you're saying is that people do need to eat a lot more plant-based with their diets. We have a lot of people who really don't consume any sources of fruits or vegetables at all, especially the deeper ketogenic diets, which are a little bit extreme, but they are just as extreme on the other side as the vegan diets. And you're kind of in the middle here. What, what, am, I, am I correct about that? Yeah, there there is no virtue in being a vegan. It's fine, but there's
2: no virtue in it. The healthiest dietary patterns in the world are plant-based, lots of fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds and whole grains, with then some seafood, lean meats, uh, and, and all of that is very consistent with long-term health. But when you avoid fruits and grains and vegetables and, and, and are primarily eating high fat, high protein uh, diets, um, the, the long term effect on health is not good. And that's why every major professional organization has recommended this balanced dietary pattern, kind of like the Mediterranean diet, as being the healthiest. There's no magic in knocking out
1: carbohydrates. Um, it, it, that hurts. It doesn't help. And, and I don't want to derail this in, into because the, 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 talking about nutrition today is like talking about religion or politics. Yes, you really, really because <laughs> yeah. because people feel so strongly about their dietary choices today that we have entire cruises for low carb people and keto people, and I and I don't believe any nutritional approach should come with a club membership because I think you're choosing your nutrition for the wrong reasons. I think nutrition is very individual. I think some people seem to do better. There are people on this planet that can thrive as vegans because the gut microbiota and the way they digest food seems to work for them. There are other people that become nutritionally deficient just on a straight vegan diet. My point is some people can eat vegan. I can't. I'm not going to deny them what works for them. So whatever works for you nutritionally, stick with it. But one thing we can all agree on, and that is the value of – not look, exercise is something relatively new to make up for the fact that we don't work and toil anymore. That's why we have to exercise because in, in generations past, we were farming. We were raising animals. We were hunting. We were building cabins. We worked all day. Today we sit all day. So we have to have exercise. It's a It's the new replacement. But we cannot deny that most people are not active enough. And we know this because there's nice trackers that show people that they don't get 2,000 steps a day year in and year out. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. So, yeah, so exercise
2: used to be a part of our lifestyle. It just was built in because of manual labor and, and, and transportation was didn't used to be like it is today. So now things are changed. And we have to get exercise back into the lifestyle. I tell my students, you know, you take time to eat. You take time to sleep. Most people should do more of that. Um, You also need to, in the same way, make time for exercise. It has to be built into the schedule because it's not naturally there anymore. And so you got to build it in and then just stick with something you enjoy and do it the rest of your life. The good news is is you don't have to put on bright-colored shoes and run in circles. I mean, you, you can, uh, if you take stairs instead of the elevator and walk during your breaks and walk to and from work if you live somewhere nearby, it can be integrated um, if you think that way. You develop this exercise mentality where you do everything possible to put in those 6,000,
1: uh, 10,000 steps a day. Alisa and I, and she's probably watching live today, started to actually use the stairs. Like we'll, we'll go up and down the stairs ten times because yeah. you know if you're at if you're at the gym, maybe you jump on the stairmaster, the stair climber for 15, 20 minutes to warm up. So well, like, I said to the other day, you know, we have these stairs; we don't have to go out and walk. We could just do stairs. So we started doing the stairs in the house. Talk about. Yeah. It. Oh, I'm sorry. Good. Well, I just want to say it's going to be interesting to see what happens with gyms
2: now in the future. Because gyms are a place where the transmission of COVID-19 is highly likely. Um, You know, you have people who are breathing heavily during exercise. Um, They are shedding the virus if it's in their system. Uh, If they cough or sneeze or breathe heavily onto handles and objects, the droplets are there. You touch it, you touch your face, and you can get ill that way. It's called um, auto and uh, or self-inoculation where you just touch your face and it all gets in right there. So uh, the gym unfortunately is a place where transmission the, the likelihood is very high and we'll see what happens um, as time goes on uh, with gym, gyms. It may be that things start to change there. I mean I can't Believe how closely they pack all the treadmills and the cycle ergometers and everything close together. You're just so close to other people, and uh,
1: transmission is high, and things are going to have to change. I don't think things are going to be the same no. after this. Uh, I, I actually was talking to Peter Taunton yesterday about this. He has 6,000 gyms, uh, 5,000 of them are closed right now. Yeah. Uh, he has but, the Snap Fitness, and he has a lot of these. uh these uh, self serve type gyms, and uh, we were just talking about this. You know, I think a lot of people are actually going to invest in home gyms, and they're just not going to go back to the gym anymore. I, I really believe that. I, I have a good friend who owns Play It Against Sports, and he's clo- technically he's closed, but you can pick up at the street. And people are buying gym equipment. On the phone with a credit card, and they're putting it out on the curb and they're putting it in their car and taking it home. What's gonna end up happening is a lot of people are gonna outfit their own gyms. They're gonna go, why am am I gonna pay $29 a month? I just got, and the other thing that people are gonna kick by by this uh, whole process is coffee. Nobody's got, there's no Starbucks open. All these people at Jones for coffee, they're gonna have a month and a half off of coffee. They're never gonna go back. It's really gonna be interesting to see. What happens? Here? Yeah, it is.
2: You know, right now we're being told to stay at home. The safest place right now is our home. And uh, if that continues, we'll be working out at our homes and doing everything else. And with with uh, any gathering of large crowds, you know, people see people tend to sneeze and cough openly into the airspace. And hopefully, people have gotten that message and will start smothering. And if they're ill, staying home and not going to work. I think, well, like cigarette smoking, it used to be cool to smoke. And then as all the laws started to change, um, it became uncool to smoke. And most experts in this field say the number one reason that smoking uh, prevalence has fallen so low, around 15%, is because of this social pressure. Uh, to stop that stigma. habit
1: stigma yes. yes
2: and i think the social pressure now to be more hygienic is going to be there i think that when people cough and sneeze openly into the airspace that you're breathing is going to be like people smoking and putting their smoke in your airspace right. i think things are going to
1: change that I, way. I think you're right I, I i bet the kroger's has people in the lobby Cleaning the carts when you push it back, they clean it before they put it back out. I predict that's not going to go away because that's yeah. going to reduce flu, flu influenza transmission as well. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. Let's talk about. Do well, the- you remember? Do you remember
2: when uh, uh, somebody started putting things into? I think it was Tylenol bottles. Um, yes, and, and then all of a sudden everybody got, got afraid, and now all the companies sealed, seal. Yes, and, that's and right. It, it came,
1: it stayed forever. Yes, you're right. I forgot about that. 1900s uh, yeah. 1900 to 1979, you, you have here, which focused on exercise-induced changes in basic immune cell counts and function. Talk about that.
2: Well, one of the earliest studies in this area was at the Boston Marathon. It was published uh, in 1902. And they just simply took uh, uh, some blood samples on some marathon runners before and after running the Boston Marathon. And uh, I like reading that paper because all they measured was white blood cell counts and neutrophil counts. And the neutrophils just soar uh, when you run a marathon. They just go way up in the blood because of the stress. And, and the author of that paper said it looked like this person was sick. Uh, that's what they put in the paper, that the marathon runners, after they had run that race, uh, their blood cell counts looked as if they were fighting an illness. Mm-hmm. And indeed, they kind of pegged uh, the very uh, issue that um, we have been studying for decades ever since is that when humans do something like a marathon, they literally are almost sick. They are actually in an immunocompromised state mm-hmm. and, and it stays around for hours Uh, We just published some new data that if you push hard enough, long enough, it can last for days. And what I am telling people right now with the COVID-19 is that you cannot run marathons right now. You shouldn't run marathon races because you actually put yourself into the immunocompromised group during the hours after a marathon if COVID-19 is around you. You're more prone to getting sick. So this is not a time to run marathons, ultra marathons. I think you may have read about this one guy that ran a marathon on his balcony. I think he was uh, some European guy. Are you kidding? What, on a treadmill or something? No, on his little balcony. It's, it's like he just back ran and back forth, back and forth. Earth. Yeah, for a marathon. And then this made worldwide news as if this was some good thing. I thought it was a stupid thing. You shouldn't be putting your immune system down like that um, at this time. Everybody needs to keep their exercise moderate, uh, and then that will help reduce uh, the transmission of the COVID-19. We have shown that illness rates go down, but then push it too hard, you're going to get more prone to sickness. So some of the earliest studies uh, were in that area, and but uh, there were a kind of simple
1: studies until we got to 1980s. And that's where we're going right now. So here we go. 1980 to 1989, a very short period of time, but a lot of progress, huh?
2: Well, um, and I'm sure you remember uh, when the HIV epidemic hit in the early 80s. Yep. Uh, the virus was finally identified in 1983. And it was a scary time. I mean, at, at that time, Uh, We didn't know a lot about that virus. And uh, I remember uh, one kid who was infected went to school and all the parents got really upset because they felt that if that kid bit another kid, that they would pass the virus. And then there were people that were afraid that if a mosquito landed on you um, and and drew your blood, if you were HIV infected, and then flew to another person, it would pass the virus to the next person. We were all afraid. We didn't know much. Right. And then what happened is many hospitals uh, bought flow cytometers. Flow cytometers allow you to measure the T lymphocyte counts, especially the T helper cell count, which is what the virus attacks. And then what that did, all of a sudden there were these wonderful instruments in all the hospitals, and then as the HIV epidemic is science sorted out how the transmission occurred and the drugs were developed, et cetera? Um, what happened is that many of these hospitals opened up their equipment to professors like me who were interested in uh, studying the effects of exercise on the immune system. So the dawn of exercise immunology began in the early 80s when the HIV epidemic occurred. And then many of the early studies focused on heavy exertion and the fact that the immune system uh, had transient dysfunction uh, mm-hmm. after heavy exertion. And then we
1: started moving towards the benefits of moderate activity. And and moderate, like, like right now, I'm not training every day. It's not practical. It, it, it's not possible. And also, I, I feel like I'm going to use this time to – have a little more rest than I usually do because I usually train and the audience knows I I, I, I tend to flirt with overtraining, which obviously is not good for my immune system. Wow. Um, so I'm training every third day right now. That, that day I train, I really do a lot of work, a lot of cardiovascular conditioning and heavy lifting that I can at home. What's your duration? Um, I only train for about 47 minutes as a rule ever. Only because oh, okay. my schedule, I never knew the 90-minute threshold. That's interesting to me because back in the day, I used to train for two hours. But uh, I only trained for about 47 minutes just because I have a lot of responsibility and I, I feel like I'm dere- derelict of my duties if I don't get here and get there. And so, But, yeah, I, I, as yeah. a rule, it's like about under 50 minutes I generally train. But for that 50 minutes, like I do a quarter to a third mile farmer's walks, uh, with two 65 uh, pound kettlebells and then I stop 10 times and do 10 push-ups when I'm giving my 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 forearms a break I'll do 10 push-ups and I'll grab them and I'll walk that's my warm-up before I train and then right now I'm doing a lot of uh, um, I'm doing a lot of body weight stuff as well like during the breaks I go out and I do 15. I got it there's a box out there so I'm doing incline push-ups today and I'm doing 15 push-ups and 15 bodyweight squats and then I come sit back down yeah um, you know, uh, but when I go to the gym, I, I move a lot heavier weight.
2: Yeah, but this is very consistent with improved immune health, what you're describing. And it's a great routine. That should be helping your immune system right now. Um, I would, though, you know, you say every third day, um, if, if you could get it uh, more like uh, five times a week, yeah. then that would be better because every time you do what you described, the immune cells will circulate for during the bout and for a few hours after and and it's just like the Marine Corps being out there protecting you so I would urge that you up the frequency a bit.
1: What about what if I, what if I just walk for a half hour, 45 minutes yeah. on alternate days? you know train that yeah. way one day, train mm-hmm. just a walk. Perfect. Okay that'd be perfect. Yeah. All right, so let's go to the next uh, period of time that you looked at in your research. And as soon as I close this, I'll be able to read it. So this was 1990 to 2009. Again, interesting that we're looking at almost just decades of dramatic change now that we've gotten further up, up the, uh, the the calendar, so to speak.
2: Yeah. So, you know, after we uh, figured out that heavy exertion could hurt the immune system, Everybody started asking, well, what about if I walk on most days of the week? And we started showing that that was beneficial. And then uh, athletes began asking us, well, is there something I can eat to protect me uh, when I have to train heavily? And then we found that carbohydrate, uh, especially fruit carbohydrates and blueberry polyphenols helped. And so that was the nutritional aspects. Uh, there, we found many things, though didn't help the immune system in the nutrition area. For example, we did several studies trying to give people high doses of vitamin C. Um, And we thought, well, maybe that would help the immune system get through everything better. That did not help at all. We did another study at the Kona uh, World Triathlon Championships, so in Hawaii. And we fed, um, it was randomized double-blind, placebo-controlled. Some of the athletes got uh, high vitamin E supplements for two months before the race. The others got placebo. We thought all that extra vitamin E would help the immune system. To the contrary, what we found is that vitamin E, high doses, actually was, uh, ended up that the uh, those triathletes had more inflammation and more oxidative stress post uh running the triathlon than people were who were on placebo. And high doses of vitamin E have fallen in disfavor across the board. Humans were not meant to take high doses of vitamin E, and we showed that that applied to athletes. So a lot of those studies uh, came through, and really it ended up being that carbohydrate and flavonoids are the most important things uh, for heavily exercising people. And then all of this wonderful information that if you're old and fit, your immune system looks a, a lot younger uh, than other people your age. Can,
1: can I ask, do you recall the form of vitamin E? Was it the, the synthetic DL, or do you know if it was the natural D-alpha-tocopherol? Yep, alpha-tocopherol. Good. So it wasn't the synthetic stuff. That, that's wise on yep. your group to look at it that way. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, uh, we're looking at 2010 to present, the past 10 years. Um. And plus, we have so many, as you point out here, I mean, everybody's got a, a watch now that is, I mean, I mean, I have a ring that is literally a sleep study on a ring. W- w- the only thing it doesn't do is the, 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 uh, the brain uh, activity, but it, 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 it looks at my heart rate. It looks at my pulse oximetry, how much, you know, my blood. It looks at my apnea. It looks at my sleep stages, very very specific sleep stages. I mean, I wear that. I don't use it every night anymore because I've got my sleep pretty zeroed in now. But I put that on anytime something's kind of gee. I just don't feel like I slept good last night. I think tomorrow I'll re watch and I'll notice something. Oh, look at that! And I'll notice that well, my room is warmer than normal or something like that. So we have so many of these electronic devices around that uh, that give us biometric information. It's a wonderful time, isn't it? It is, and
2: in our field. I'll give you an example of what has happened. Um, so uh, we just published a 28-week study on the athlete that became the first uh, human to trek across Antarctica, unassisted, unaided. I don't know if you
1: no, I didn't know uh, about heard
2: about that. That. He He uh, did that in December of uh, uh, 2018. And, and what we did is trained him to take a finger prick and then one drop of blood onto what is called a Wattman yeah. card right. that dries in 15 minutes. You fold it up, put it in a plastic bag. is very light. And so for the weeks leading up to the Antarctica trek, and then it took him two months to get across Antarctica, every Thursday morning he, he would take a sample. That single drop of dried blood, uh, you can now use global proteomics using sophisticated LC mass spec uh, instruments and measure more than 700 proteins, many of them from the immune system. And what we showed in that athlete is that during the last month of the Antarctica trek, he was pushing hard, not sleeping a lot. He lost a lot of weight. Um, that his immune system went into a high stress suppressed state. Some parts of the immune system were uh, just super activated at a red flag level. Others, especially his neutrophils, were not functioning uh, uh, properly. In fact, if he had been exposed to COVID-19 or any other virus like that, he was wide open. His immune system was totally dysfunctional. Uh, because of what he was doing, and it lasted throughout five weeks of recovery.
1: I was going to ask you how long it took, so five weeks to recover from that.
2: Well, he still wasn't even totally recovered five weeks later. And so what has happened is this is called proteomics, um, and and from a single drop of blood with these fancy new machines, you can now take a global uh, overview of the immune system from a single drop of blood. And so it's a new uh, era where we're going to learn a whole lot more um, about uh, how athletes, uh, how their immune systems respond to heavy exertion. We just also followed an athlete. So um, he is going from the lowest point to the highest point on each of the continents during a two-year period. He started in Africa, and he ran from uh, uh, Djibouti, Lake Assal, that's the lowest point in Africa, to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Wow. And it took him a month to do that. And he also kept those uh, dry blood spot samples for us. And we just got back his proteomics data. And again, his immune system just had a terrible uh, suppressed response to that exertion. And so it's a new day where we can now follow athletes out in the field and gain a total body overview of the immune response, and then better guide athletes as to what they should do about this. And then also we're um, uh, working with the military, applying that new technology so that the war fighters can better understand what their immune systems are going through and then what they should do about it. So
1: um, from an evolutionary perspective, we have, Excuse me, this phenomenon called hormesis. And we know that that's how we build muscle, right? The body upregulates and prepares for the next time we're going to do this and, 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 and tries to overreach in, in being prepared. When someone does that to their immune system, basically destroying their immune system, when they finally do come back, whether it takes six weeks or six months— Do we see anything unique about their immune system thereafter? Is it more resistant or is it damaged? So
2: uh, I've had about 50 athletes from around the world uh, contact me. Talking about their stories. And and here is the common theme uh, across these 50 athletes I've been working with. Is they uh, trained heavily for... A lot of them are doing these adventure sports where they, you know, trucking across Antarctica or low or uh, canoeing and running and cycling for days. And uh, there's a race across America. We studied an athlete who did the race across America on bicycles. Have you heard about that? No, I didn't. Yeah, it took him 10 days to cycle across America. And um, he averaged uh, two hours of sleep a day. That's nothing. 10, 10 days. That, and that,
1: that alone will make you uh, uh, t- temporarily diabetic. You
2: know, well, he, his immune system was shot. He was burnt out. And what we learned, some athletes can do that, and and their immune systems go through that terrible physiologic uh, hit, and then slowly but surely bounce back, and then they can do it again and keep doing that. I, I had a subject in one of my studies that had run over 300 100 mile races.
1: Holy
0: mackerel. You,
2: you got to think of that, over 300 of those. But there is a small percentage of athletes who attempt to do these big things who slip off the edge. And um, these athletes, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you about a friend I had. Please. He trained with me for a year. He wanted to run a marathon, the Grandfather Mountain Marathon in North Carolina. It's a a tough marathon. And uh, he got sick the night before the marathon. He'd been running with me all year. He was all excited about running the marathon. And he got sick with a fever. Well, he wanted to run that race so bad, he ran that hard marathon with a fever. He then told me he woke up uh, the next morning and felt like he had arthritis and he could barely get out of bed and And he thought, well, I'll shake that off. Well, as the weeks went by, the months went by, he never slipped out of it. He got into a general fatigue syndrome that lasted, The la- I haven't seen him for a while, but it lasted over two years. There was a study published in Australia where they followed 36 athletes who developed chronic fatigue like syndrome and 85 percent of them had exercised when they had a fever and so this is a trigger is pushing too hard then you get sick and then you keep pushing and then the immune system slips off the edge a lot of the other athletes that I've worked with they just are working they they're families they're working Um, and then in their evening hours they push 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 getting ready for these uh, ultra marathon type events. And then all of a sudden they slip over the edge and they can't sleep right. They feel unrefreshed. They feel like they have arthritis and fatigue and it keeps going and going. then they call me or email me and they say, I don't know what's wrong with me. I go to the doctor. The doctor said, you're the uh, epitome of health. Yeah. yeah, Well, you're the best looking sick person I've ever met. I mean, I can't see anything, but the athlete knows something's wrong. They can't. Uh, put out like they used to and so I do believe there is a small percentage uh, of people who try to push into this outer zone that slip off the edge it may be a genetic factor or something they just weren't meant to do it some can and some cannot and in general the ones who dare to push out there. Uh, better be very careful read their bodies find the sweet spot for themselves
1: or else they'll slip off that edge well I think it's foolish to train in any type when you're sick that's I never yeah. when I got sick when I was really training very heavy up until about my 57th year of life um, I was moving tonnage and, and when I got sick I didn't go to the gym because I knew I, I, I would my brain would force me to do the workout. And I would suffer for it. Stay with me just for a minute. We'll wrap up the show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. And uh, I've got some last words. Stay tuned.
2: Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies,
0: chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is custom-made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest. Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman Radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no obligation phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive at RenewLifeRx.com. 7,451. That's how many people kick the bucket, buy the farm, or cash in their chips every day in the United States. Yep, that means five people are going to meet their maker during this commercial. And no, our commercials are not the cause. Half of those who punch the clock for the final time will do so without life insurance. Call Big Lou at Term Provider before you are number 7452. If you're a 50-year-old male, a tad porky with a touch of diabetes, $1 million of term life insurance may only cost about 200 bucks a month. With more verified five-star reviews than any other Lou on the radio, Big Lou has saved thousands of people thousands on their term insurance premiums. Stop procrastinating and call Big Lou today at 800-560-0301. 560 301 Remember, Big Lou's like you. He doesn't want to be number 7400 400- 152. Call 800-560-0301
1: or bigloo.com. Are you still on the fence about body protection complex, BPC oral from drseeds.com? Listen to Maggie Kuhn, one of the owners of the C-Bus Lifting Company, Jim, in Columbus, Ohio. I had been having some bagging tendon
0: issues that weren't injuries, just, just things that were annoying. You know, I'm 58 years old, so just older tendon kind of issues. For us hero you know, we really don't dot training
2: when we have just bagging issues we just kind of keep pushing through, and I started the BPC. What I noticed was I was doing some heavy tricep stuff that um, that would have killed me um, before when I had an elbow problem, and I was able to do this with literally no pain at all.
1: Go to DrSeeds.com, dot com. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your bottle of BPC Body Protection Complex today. You've heard me talk about the chill pill on the show and how effective it is at helping people who suffer from social anxiety, or sometimes when you just want to take the edge off uh, to a long, stressful day. Well, listen to this story from Dylan Goutreau.
2: Definitely takes anxiety away, which I have a long history of. Having started out at two milligrams a day of Xanax, that was at eight years
1: old, and so I stopped using benzos three years ago. Extremely difficult, Yeah, So I spent about three years trying to find anything and everything I could that would be healthy for me um, to help with anxiety. Because I'm talking, you know, full, full out panic attack. The the Chilko was the first thing that I found that actually, in the middle of a panic attack, I can take, and it definitely uh, subsides. Go to drseeds.com. That's d rseeds.com. Use coupon code SHR and save twenty percent off your first bottle of the Chill Pill. Check it out. I promise, this is one supplement that delivers. Do you remember those delicious toaster pastries you had when you were a kid? You know, the rectangular sugar-filled snacks? Well, guess what? Legendary Foods has just made low-carb toaster pastry. This is the first of its kind, and honestly, these things are amazing. They have 3 to 4 net carb, less than 1 gram of sugar, and 9 grams of protein. You can eat them right out of the wrapper or lightly toast them. The only question is, which flavor? Strawberry or brown sugar cinnamon? They're available at EatLegendary.com and Amazon. This is the Superhuman Channel, where we use oxygen for the power of good. Welcome back. We're talking with Dr. David Neiman. We're talking about how exercise affects your immune system, and it's a good thing. Exercise is a good thing, but too much of a good thing is never any good. We know that. So one of the things I wanted to mention, and I want, I want your opinion on this as well. So uh, social media has... has allowed us to peer into the lives of professional athletes and we become inspired. I want to do that. I want to do that. But, you know, I'm Joe bag of donuts. I show up for work every morning. You know, I've got responsibilities. I've got mortgages. I've got all this sort of stuff. And I have a lot of stress in my life just normally. But then I go to the gym and I push myself or I go to the track and I push myself or I go to CrossFit and I push myself. And, a lot of us are probably doing ourselves a great disservice because we're looking at people who are sponsored athletes, professional athletes. We're looking These are people who they, literally they get paid to train when you think about it. And we're looking at them and going, I want to aspire to do that. And we probably physically could if we had – we pulled ourselves out of our lives and dropped ourselves in their lives where they're, they have personal trainers and – People who are guiding them with their nutrition and rehab opportunities and all this other stuff. But we don't have that. We show back up in the morning at work and do everything again. This, this has to be addressed, I think, in the communities because I think a lot of us are pushing ourselves way too hard when we look at – we also lead very normal lives, which means a lot of responsibility, a lot of stress. What do you think? Yeah, I agree uh,
2: completely. Um, there, there are data that only one out of 2,000 are genetically selected for high athletic endeavor in a particular sport, only one out of 2,000. And so the vast majority of us will never get to that high level, no matter how hard we train, because we don't have the genetic endowment. And so what everybody has to be realistic. Uh, think of the exercise more for your health rather than a performance, a high-level performance. You know, all of us enjoy some races here and there, and, but it, all of us need to learn to keep that under control and find the sweet spot where your health is maintained and you still have the energy for your work and, and family life, etc. cetera. And I think what you just pointed out is I, many of these 50 athletes that have come to me uh, are regular people with jobs and families that are trying to be super athletes on the side and everything adds up it's a summation effect high physiologic stress from exercise high mental stress from work um, and then perhaps some family issues and then it all adds up and it's more stress than the immune system can handle and then the person is down for the count so uh, I, I agree with you completely, is, is we all need to realize our place. And if we're fortunate enough to have the genetic endowment and can be sponsored to train hard and then perform at a high level, so be it. That's great. But the vast majority of us don't have that opportunity.
1: You know, when I was training as a powerlifter, I would come home and eat and then take a nap after my training. Yeah. That was the only way that I could do it. And luckily, I had a job that allowed me to do that. Um, I, I, would have, I would have never... And then, I, and then I, I was militant about my sleep. In fact, that led to my divorce. I, I went to sleep... You know, I got up with the kids in the morning at 5, and I got them off to school, made their lunch, and I did all drove them to school. And so I felt like I had the right to go to sleep at night early because I wanted that 8 to 9 hours of sleep because I knew that's when my body was going to grow and recover. But religiously, I took a nap, I would eat, and then I would doze off on the sofa for 20 or 30 minutes. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't like I'd go to sleep for the whole day, but I literally would doze off and wake up on my own and be refreshed and be ready. And that was because I felt, in my head, I thought, my body wants to start recovering now, right after the routine, now that the food is in me, and I'm going to give it that. But if I couldn't do that, I wouldn't have gotten as strong as I did when I did. I believe that strongly. Well, the
2: ancient uh, Greek philosopher Plato observed and wrote that athletes in heavy training are sleepy creatures. (laughs) And it's very true. Uh, You know, if you train so heavily and you're right on the edge, uh, you have to have that extra rest and sleep. And if you don't get it, you just can't put out.
1: Dr. Neiman, you are a, a wise man. I appreciate you being here today and uh, and answering some of these questions. Glad to be here. Take thank care. You. And uh, that's it for today's show. I'm going to change camera angles here for a second. And uh, let's see, tomorrow is Thursday. I know we have a show. We have some great shows coming up, thanks to Elisa Profumo. Again, if you're friends with Elisa Profumo, you can thank her for the content uh, becoming more intriguing and, and interesting. Uh, because it's all her hard work. She's already got us booked up for the next two weeks. So anyway, uh, we'll see you tomorrow with more Superhuman Radio. Uh, If you can check out Facebook, come and visit us live and be part of the audience. We'll put your questions up. Uh, Of course, share the podcast. And uh, stay safe and stay uh, coronavirus-free. We'll see you tomorrow.